Hello, everyone. My name is Oiz Asmao. Welcome to another episode of Two Ways to Skin a Cat, a show where we talk career experiences, entrepreneurship, and investments. The main aim is to show that there's more than one way to be successful other than climbing the corporate ladder. We are live on LinkedIn and YouTube, and a reminder that it will also be available on podcast by tomorrow. So if you are watching live, please drop a one in the comments so that we know we're not talking to ourselves. And if you're watching the recording, drop a two in the comments. So my guest for this week, we've got something slightly different, is Chantal Potgieter, probably one of our youngest guests, currently working at, at Sapro as a senior audit consultant, servicing American clients. She's also a part-time editor at the CA Story and completing a CTA. Uh, if you have, if you are training and you're currently doing articles, I definitely recommend following Chantal on LinkedIn. Generally, all of her posts that come out, I kind of just forward them onto my trainings and to make sure you read this, make sure you read this. So yes, she's a fountain of knowledge from, from a trainee point of view. So make sure you follow her. Chantal, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me, babe. So to jump straight into questions, tell us your story. Where have you come from? Outside of work, who is Chantal Potrita? Give us that backstory. Um, so I was born and raised in Joburg. And then when I started studying at the University of Pretoria, I came, well, I moved to Pretoria. And I'm loving it. And I'm never going back to Joburg. <laughs> um, I studied at UB for three years. And in my third year, the wheels kind of fell off. I had that moment that I found most students have the why am I doing this to myself moment. And unfortunately, when that hits you in the middle of your third year, um, it's kind of hard to get back out of it and make it to the end stretch and pass those final third year exams. So um, my wheels kind of came off in that year. And I ended up transferring to UNISA and I jumped into articles. And I must say it is something that I do not regret because if I didn't do that, I wouldn't have ended up with my firm where I did my articles and I wouldn't have gained the amount of experience that I did at the small firm where I did end up. Who am I outside of my work? Um, I'm everywhere and nowhere. I love getting involved in everything that I can, which means that I'm often overcommitting. And then when I overcommit, I'm typically one of those people that I can't let it go. So then I'll push myself to finish everything that I start. And I'm a serial studier. That sounds strange, but I just can't help myself enrolling for new programs and new courses and just keeping up, just keep on studying. Um, so most of my time I spend studying new things, studying new courses, reading. Um, lately, from the beginning of the year, I've also gotten into doing some exercising, which I am enjoying. Um, it doesn't come naturally to me, so it takes a little bit hot, more work than other things. But yeah, I'm just, I'm overall just always trying to be a happy person. Okay, no, it's great. Sounds like you've, you've taken the loads, the road slightly less traveled. But yeah. as a, as a uh, relatively younger professional, I've seen quite a lot of your content on LinkedIn, and and you you sharing a lot of your knowledge with those younger than you. So, much, what made you decide to start that that LinkedIn journey of of sharing things with, with, with your younger colleagues? So it actually happened last year, February. 
I was looking through CVs for trainees for our firm. And some of the CVs I saw, I had a lot of questions about, you know, what were people thinking when they were putting this in or not putting this in? And then on the 14th of February last year, I made a very long post on one of the CTA groups on Facebook. And I started giving pointers on adjust your CV like this, do this, include this, you know, maybe you'll be more successful because a lot of people were saying they were struggling. And then two weeks later, I got contacted by a Psyca editor on Facebook and he said, he, please, can we arrange a meeting? And I thought, you know, who's playing this major joke on me? Like, why is Psyca going to be contacting me through Facebook? You know, like, they've got my email address. Um, I took the guy's call and it was an editor for the Accountancy SA magazine. It was Mpo. And he said, you know what, we saw this post, we loved it. Please can you start writing articles for trainees, for students, giving them advice, helping them, you know, making it easier for them. And then he put me in contact with Tonya, that is the director of training at um, Psyca. And it kind of just went from there. So I, I did a lot of articles last year. There was about 10 um, published last year. Oh, wow. And then Thanks. <laughs> At the beginning of this year, I felt, you know, certain things I can write for Psyca, but other things I can't necessarily use their platform to communicate to trainees and to students that I feel could be something that I went through that they can learn from and maybe do it differently. So in January, um, my whole career path shifted a little bit when I started working at SAPRA. And I decided, you know, with the time that I have available, I'm going to start actively posting on LinkedIn and sharing my journey. And hopefully it just even reaches one person and it helps that person. So that's why I also try and post a lot of diverse things from my journey, um, because everybody will take something different that can maybe help them. So, so staying on that editor, sorry, there's a bit of feedback there. Um, you were an editor at the CA Story. So how, how did that come about? Because I've noticed that one or two people writing articles, but I don't know 100% about what it's about. Okay, so the, the CA Story is a online publishing niche website. So we share stories about CAs, CPAs, um, company secretaries, entrepreneurs who didn't follow your normal route, who went above and beyond or even just had a different way of getting to their goals at the end of the day i saw a lot of their articles on one of the facebook groups that i'm on and i always read them and i felt like you know this is this is such a nice inspirational platform and then in december um somebody posted chantal posted you know they are looking for editors and I was like, well, I love writing, um, even in my spare time, and I'll, I could do this in my spare time. So I sent to my CV and I said, listen, I'm interested. Um, please let me know if you can use me. And then she sent me two articles to edit to see, you know, do I have what, I, what it takes? And it just went on from there. And I started connecting with um, some of the most influential people in our 
corporate environments and just started writing articles and I'm loving it. And I mean, for, for, for the younger professionals out there, that's how you network. You have to put yourself out there. You can't hide behind the desk and hope so the, the world is going to fall in your lap. You have to go out there and make, and make it happen. Definitely. A, remi a reminder, if anybody has any questions for Chantal, please put it in the, in the comments and we'll get to all the questions towards the end. And we don't want to miss any of your questions, so please put them in as soon as, as possible. This year, you mentioned you started at Sapro and, and working a lot with a lot more American clients. Yes. Tell us about that experience of working with Americans and the similarities and differences. Um, absolutely loving it. Let me start there. And for anybody listening, wondering if they should do it, the answer is yes, do it. You will not regret the decision. Um, so basically, I work with an American CPA firm and we audit USA companies. So my speciality in auditing is manufacturing and distribution. So I form part of the manufacturing and distribution team. And we audit like we do in South Africa. But what I find different, and I've been saying this to anybody, and um, they have a whole different culture in their audit environment that we are used to in South Africa. So a term that I've heard a lot to describe South African audit environments is toxic. And it breaks my heart. That wow. word keeps on coming up when people are speaking to me about their experience in audit. And I've been experiencing the complete opposites. This firm is so inclusive. Everybody is friendly, willing to help. Um, and also getting to know the different American companies. I've, I've got quite a broad spectrum of different companies that I've worked on, but now I'm gaining even more experience on different companies that I wouldn't have necessarily gained if I'd stayed in a South African firm. I'm also gaining knowledge about their laws and their regulations. Um, I think the biggest thing that I'm learning at the moment is differences and similarities um, between IFRS and GAAP, the US GAAP that they use. Um, there's actually a lot of similarities. That's one of the things that I was stressing about the most is the fact that they have a different accounting principle that they use. But I'm finding it, it's not that different. Um, so I log on at about 12 p.m. our time. And then I work until about 10 p.m., 11 p.m., depending on how much work I have. So this gives me the whole morning to do some exercises, do my admin, go to the doctor if I need to go to the doctor. And then the whole afternoon, part of the evening, I work. And I'm loving it because that's when the day starts to cool down a little. And, you know, it's I'm not a morning person. So I prefer start prefer working in the afternoon and the evenings. So for me, it's perfect. But working for SAPRA, you've got more or less flexi time. So you can determine when you want to work. There's somebody else that working that's working from nine to nine. Um, so because that works for him. So it just gives you a lot of flexibility to also get to your own things at the end of the day. But the 
culture for me that I'm experiencing at this firm is absolutely amazing. And if it's something that we can incorporate into what people are saying, these toxic environments that we have, we should absolutely do it. So people can work eight to five as well if they want to do. Yes. Okay. So, so moving on, 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 on what you mentioned the, about the South African environment, last year you posted about, uh, you put out a post about how trainees were being treated as at a specific client. And I'm told you got a bit of a blowback, uh, a lot of blowback for it. So tell us a little bit about the story and a little bit about the blowback, if you don't mind. Okay. So basically what was happening, I was an audit manager at a firm and I didn't like the way one of the accountants were treating the trainees. The and I took, yeah, the client's accountants. And I took this up with management and I kind of just got brushed, you know, just brushed away, just like, let's ignore this. It's not such a big deal. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if trainees are treated badly, um, the work must just get done. And this made me feel very, very uncomfortable. Um, I just felt, you know, there's no way that you could justify that people are allowed to be treated badly. So I'm a very impulsive person. So I went onto LinkedIn and I made a post and I just basically said, you know what, it doesn't matter who you are. You don't have the right to be disrespectful towards trainees and treat them badly. Um, they should be treated the same way that you would be expected to be treated. Everybody um, deserves a, a minimum level of respect. Exactly. So um, the afternoon went by and nothing happened. And, you know, I just went on. I've said I had to say what I had to say. And, you know, people were agreeing with me because it's a basic thing that all of us deserve. And then the next day, I got a phone call to say I need to remove the post immediately. And um I'm being called in for a disciplinary hearing. And my whole world kind of shook for a moment because I've never been called into a disciplinary hearing. It's just not something that I want to be in ever. Um, I take a lot of pride in my work and who I am at work. So I took off the post, I cried my eyes out, and I went to the disciplinary hearing. And Basically, it came down to that by making the post, I was saying the firm didn't support their trainees and the firm didn't stand up for the trainees and the firm was allowing this accountant to treat the trainees badly. And which is the truth. Which is the truth. But they felt that I was um, disreputing the image of the firm because my name, my name said Chantal Potgitter, IGISA. And then underneath was the firm's name. Um, so you'll you'll see if you go onto my LinkedIn profile, I've totally taken off where I did my articles, where I did where I was audit supervisor and audit manager, in case they still feel like this. Um, basically, they gave me a verbal warning, um, and they said that I could expect the written warning a day or two later. Um, unfortunately, I resigned before they could give me the written warning. Well, fortunately, probably. Um, and then this was a, a turning point for me because I felt I can't be in an environment where 
you are not supported, where you your managers, your partners don't have your back when you are being disrespected. Respecting someone plays a very big role in my moral code. So I can't take it when people are being treated badly. I get, I'm like a mama bear. I get very angry when people are busy hurting my cubs. Um, and that's how I was as a manager as well, is the trainees are my cubs and I'm there to help them grow and nurture them and get them to reach their full potential. So if you are doing something that is hurting my trainees, I will stand up to you and I will stand up for my trainees. That's just how I am because I feel as a manager, you need to support your team. If you don't support your team, they won't support you when you need them. So yeah, the, the blowback was harsh, but I don't regret it because it made my decision to leave the firm that much easier. I'm, 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 I'm glad you stood up for your trainees because sometimes you, you don't see that quite often. We, If we can move over to, I'm just going to have a look through the comments to see if there's any questions. It seems like quite a few questions are coming through, so let's have a quick look. So, Ashley Little says, he says, you know, this is you're an AGSA, he's sitting his ITC in April. He's asking a question, is it worth registering as an AGA when I'm so close to the full CASA qualification? If you're going to do ITC in April and you're going to do APA in January, then I wouldn't do it. So there is a registration fee to register as an AGA, and then there's also your membership fee for the year. So if you register as an AGA now, and then you qualify next year after you've written APA, then you're gonna have to pay another registration fee to be a CA. So the reason I um, did apply and register for AGA is because there was such a big gap between finishing my articles and actually getting to the point where I can qualify as a CA. I think that definitely answers that question. Moving on to the next, so uh, I can't see the name, but does anyone who apply at Safro get accepted? And is there a preference based on where you did your articles? So as far as I know, there isn't a preference based on where you do your articles. I did my articles at a very small firm. Nobody can pronounce the name and nobody has ever heard of the firm. Um, so if I could get in, you can get in. It doesn't matter where you did your articles. Obviously, they do test your knowledge. So after your initial interview, there is a technical interview where they do make sure that you've got the technical knowledge and skills to be able to service the clients. Um, that's just to make sure that you won't go to a CPA client and then they come back and say, listen, you've placed this person with us, but they don't know what they're doing. I'm with you. Maybe just to follow up on that, um, is uh, I know the US, they work in states and sometimes you can only be a CPA in a certain state. If you work for SAPRO, do you still cover clients across the US or are you only working in a specific state or for clients in a specific state? You cover clients across the entire American continent, yeah. Okay, that's great. And then another question is, can you shed a bit of light on the opportunities you received or the doors which opened by holding that AGA designation? Um, this is, it is a tough question. 
So AGA isn't such a broadly recognized designation in South Africa yet. So I was speaking to somebody else the other day and the person made a very valid point. Is Saika has spent so many years perfecting the image of a CA that they are still struggling to get the image of AGA into companies. And unfortunately, this is a reality. You will see on job applications, they want SIMA or CA. You won't actually see an AGA requirement, but I'm the kind of person that says, you know what? I did the same training. I got the same competencies. Even if they're asking for a CA, I'm applying for this position. Maybe the person seeing my CV sees something on there that they like and I get put through. So what I've done with this is I've just said, you know what, no doors are closed to me because I'm not a CA. I refuse to accept that. And it actually works. I've been invited to more interviews where I don't meet the requirements than interviews where I ticked every single box. So don't be afraid to apply to something if you don't meet all the criteria. There's maybe just that one thing in your CV that the person reviewing it sees and says, listen here, this is a candidate. I don't care if the person is not a CA. I, I like that you said don't self don't self-exclude yourself basically if you okay and explain that well but if you don't apply you're never gonna get there. Exactly. Uh, so yes, I mean you, you have to you have to take your shot. If you don't take your shot, you you've already lost. Moving on to another question we've got actually asking about your you think it's because the client pays the fees that the audit partners are sometimes refuse to support trainees. Um well, let me see if the question comes through. Well, I suppose if I can jump in, and there's probably a little bit of, I haven't been in order in a while, but there's a little bit of that you have to maintain the relationship, but uh, only to a point. I don't know what your thoughts are, Chantal. Um, it is to a point, like you said, that it is the, the partners don't necessarily want to upset the client that is paying them for the, for the audit. Um, but I also think that, you know what, a, a line must be drawn just because you're paying the audit fee doesn't mean you get to treat the people on the audit team any way you want to. Um, if you won't treat the people in your company this way because you will end up in HR, then you can't treat the trainees and the managers that way. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. And just that seems to be all the questions. Any last words from you or anything that we didn't discuss that you'd like the audience to know? Um, so, over the last few weeks, people have reached out to me asking, should they, they're very unhappy in their training contract, in their environment, um, would I advise them to move to a different firm? I will never advise you to do anything because you're going to turn around and say, yes, but you said I must do this. <laughs> but I will also not stop you or try and talk you out of trying to look for something else. It's just always important to remember that you're moving from one firm to another firm, but you don't necessarily know what to expect at the other firm. So if you do want to move, just make sure you're not moving into something that's worse than where you currently are. Um, that's me. It's something that's been pressing on me a lot because 
I can't believe the amount of trainees that have reached out to me to say they are unhappy in their environments. And it's also very sad to me when they say it's the managers that make their environments so upsetting or so toxic. So if you can push through, please don't change in the last six months of your training contract. Just push through. And even the last year, I'll say that, just push through. But if you really can't do it anymore, don't resign if you don't have a new contract yet. Because I've had trainees giving me that option, don't do it. Only if you've got a new contract, then move on. But try and stick it out. I wasn't always happy where I did my training. I think I went to interviews during the time two or three times. And then I just say to myself, stick it out. Until it's one more year, stick it out. Until it's six more months, stick it out. So what I ended up doing was, um, you know how people count down to their birthday or count down to a wedding? I was counting down to when I was being signed off. And then it makes that sign off just that much better. Um, so really, if you can, stick it out. If it's really too much, first look if you find something else. I do know of trainees that have just resigned and then they get stuck because they can't find new articles. And unfortunately, on your CV, you've got an income, it's basically an incomplete, you didn't finish it. So basically, some employers can take this as you've made a commitment for three years and you weren't able to see it through. So they might question your commitment. And this is not something that you want. But if you're a trainee, if you're a student, please follow me, reach out to me. If you've got any questions, um, I'll answer you in an essay, I promise. Um, because I, I can't do short paragraphs. If you've read my posts, then you know this is true. I'm usually like, I'm going to one paragraph until one paragraph today, and then it's like five paragraphs later, and then I'm like, it's okay. You know? And if everybody's got a voice, use it. Stand up for yourself. Don't just allow anybody to disrespect you because you're a trainee it doesn't matter stand up for yourself go to your manager address the situation don't just let it slide if you let it slide once it's going to happen again um and linkedin is a very big place to network reach out to people that you feel can guide you can help you there's a lot of people willing to help so use the resources available to you. Oh, great. No, I really like that about reaching out. Also, when you going and, 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 and standing up for what you believe in, it's also how you do it, it's important. So think yes. about that. And also the people that, that were thinking of changing, and if you change, you also get another six month penalty on your, that's a six month longer articles process. So if yeah. you're not sure what the situation is gonna be like in the newer firm, you might just be extending your suffering for an extra six months. So you have to weigh those things up. But exactly. I think you've, you, you, you've summarized it brilliantly and you've, you've ended up brilliantly. So thank you so much for, 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 for those, those words, uh, Chantal. So a reminder to everyone that the show is, is live on YouTube and, we sh and will be available on podcast by tomorrow. If you're watching on YouTube and podcast and you feel that the videos added value, 
please don't forget to, to subscribe so that you get automatically notified when the next episode comes out. Uh, we've also started a weekly discussion on Clubhouse about business and investing in South Africa. That's on Mondays at 5 p.m. South African time, so please join us. I'll send out new information about the new episodes soon. Chantal, thanks again for joining us. It's, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Thank you, everyone, for joining for another episode of Two Ways to Skin a Cat. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you.